0: All right, let's go ahead and stop talking about that. Let's talk about uh, something a little lighter.
1: (laughs) Did I get too negative for the movie news again? Are you going to have to pull it? You, you, You went, you got a little dark.
0: to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that politely disagrees to agree. That's an oldie but goodie. Uh, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster, <laughs> you live in San Diego, and you are the co-host of this podcast.
1: Cassidy Robinson, you live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and you are also the co-host of this podcast.
0: Yes, uh, old, old habits die hard, as they say, as... Alfred Pennyworth says in uh, Batman Forever. A movie quote that has stuck with me for whatever reason.
1: (laughs) You know, uh, uh, Alfred, what is his name? Um, Michael Goff. Michael Goff. He's uh, undeniably the best Alfred. Oh, yeah. Not even close. They give him, yeah, like not even a contest but yeah uh he also has the best like one liners and bits of alfred sass mm-hmm. because here's the thing with with michael gow it worked because he wasn't always sal- sassy he was genuinely pretty sincere yeah but every once in a while he'd sneak in those one liners Whereas, like, with fucking Jeremy Irons, it was like every line was like, okay, come on. Right. And Jeremy Irons
0: is a terrific actor, but, I mean, he can only do so much with some of those screenplays.
1: Sure. I'm just saying I think that the reason Michael Gow is the best Alfred is because his, his performance is downplayed and nuanced. Right. Whereas... Jeremy Irons, it was like they were saying, Yeah, can you sass it up a bit? Can you be like a, uh, uh, can you roll your eyes with every line you say? Right. What about, I, I don't what, know why this is my Zack Snyder impression, but it is what it is.
0: <laughs> it works. Um, what about, what about, uh, Michael Caine? My problem with Michael Caine is Alfred, and he's great in those movies, but it's hmm. so. I could never see him as Alfred in any other context than those movies, and I barely saw him as Alfred in there in that context. Um, what do you mean? Michael Caine is just so on brand, Michael Caine.
1: Oh, it's sure. Like, yeah.
0: It's like let's he, say you're like building a stew, right? And You want to like bring yeah, in yeah, a yeah. lot of different flavors, and you, but you want it all to kind of like come together in one like um,
1: I mean, I cohesive get it. deal.
0: It, Michael Caine it, is it, just a very powerful flavor.
1: Yes, but it is—he is very on brand for Michael Caine, and mm. also very on brand for Alfred. So I—I I can't say that I'm mad at it because it makes sense. But he's—he's sure. he's so recognizable as Michael Caine that it feels yeah. like a Michael Caine performance. It'd be like if you got uh, fucking Meryl Streep. To play the mom in Paddington, right? She might be sure. fine, Or like still- Aunt
0: May or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's even better. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's Meryl like, Streep okay, like May.
0: she's a great actress, but uh, there, there, there is such thing as having an actor with too much gravitas for a part.
1: Yes, especially a uh, a supporting role like Alfred or Aunt May or yeah uh or or, or fucking K- Kevin Costner as Superman's dad, you know,
0: I had like, no problem with that actually, but that was because I okay, now we're now we're going okay. way too off okay. off script here.
1: I um, I just mean that I think there's something to be said about the character actors of the world and now yes. the, the a-list stars of the 80s and 90s are aging into character actor niche
0: yes that is definitely happening into both good and bad effect um, today we're going to be talking about hobbs and shaw the that. presents today we're going to be talking
1: about today we're going to be talking about alfred All the Batman Alfreds.
0: All we ever talk Uh, about on this podcast, it's the Batman movies.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This
0: is a low-key Batman podcast. (laughs) We should just change it uh, to
1: Talking Nights.
0: You know what? I think this is going to culminate in us doing a Batman 1989 uh, uh, commentary track.
1: Riff tracks? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, so we're going to be talking about Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. And uh, we're finally going to get to our homework, Enemy, which I assigned you uh, last time we did one of these podcasts. But let's go ahead and get into a little bit of uh, Consume Obey. Um, what have you been watching? What have you been reading? What have you been listening to? What are you currently obsessed
1: with? keith uh i have a couple but i'm i'm thinking of which one to save so i'll go with the one that i remember off the top of my head um i just finished watching uh good omens uh uh it was you just finished watching it uh uh-huh yeah uh it was an amazon original based on Mm -hmm. the novel by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Sure. Which, by the way, by the way, I want to fucking put an end to the Neil Gaiman-Neil Gaiman debate. Uh, it's Neil Gaiman. Always and,
0: has been, indisputedly.
1: Yes. So I uh, I always pronounce it as Neil Gaiman. Yeah. It wasn't until later, until some someone was like, oh, I think it's Neil Gaiman. And then all of a sudden, everything was in doubt. Mm-hmm. But uh, I recently also – this was a little while ago. This was like six months ago or something. I listened to his book on Norse mythology on audiobook, which he himself narrated. Okay. And he himself pronounces his name Neil Gaiman. Okay. There it is. On the record from the man himself. On the record. It's (laughs) –
0: we no longer have to add the uh, pretentious eye inflection.
1: Yes, it's Neil Gaiman, undisputedly. Uh, also, subtle mini consumable plug for the, his book on Norse mythology. The audiobook was really fucking fun. Um, but I just watched on Amazon Good Omens, based off the, the novel by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. <laughs> It is about a demon and an angel that come together to try to prevent the end of the world. Sure. Uh, It's a lot of fun. Um, Michael Sheen plays the angel and he is delightful. Uh, As always. uh, And David Tennant is fucking puts another powerhouse nerd niche performance in for his portrayal as the demon Crowley, uh, they have Crowley or Crowley. It's Crowley. It's, (laughs) it's a whole thing. Uh, wait, no, maybe it is Crowley. He changes it halfway through.
0: Okay. (laughs) But it's good.
1: It's really good. Uh, so it feels like a BBC joint. Um, Okay. And that's because it is a BBC joint, but it was just produced by Amazon. Uh, And they do the story justice. It's a lot of fun. It's really quirky and endearing and and very life-affirming and uh, very, especially in 2019, Mm -hmm. when a lot of things are in doubt, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of bad news on the media. Sure. um, It's one of those things that will help sort of, I don't want to say restore your faith in humanity, but just... Seems like a tall order. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but just remind you that that there's it's not all gloom and doom.
0: Can't rain all the time. Cool. Well, I've heard good things. So yeah, it's yeah. How many episodes you is like,
1: it? It's it's only like six uh, hour long episodes. It's just mm-hmm. a mini series. Um, there's no continuing seasons or anything like that. So it's it's sort of a one and done. Just invest your time and then six move and on done kind of thing. Yeah. Six well, and yeah. done. Well, one season. Brooks
0: and done. Okay. Well, that, that sounds cool. Yeah. I remember um, a lot of people saying when um, Dogma came out, or I, th- I mean, I think Kevin Smith said it himself. It was more or less based on <laughs> Good Omens and the Preacher series by uh, Garth Ennis. <laughs> uh, I mean, that makes or his, sense. Or think- his like stoner comedy take on that stuff.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, I think Kevin Smith and Preacher both have a little bit more of an edge. Whereas, like, Good Omens relies very heavily on, um, you know, sort of a droll sense of humor, a lot of quirky sensibility. Um, British. It's not nearly as edgelordy. As either of those things, yeah. Yeah, Uh, but I have liked all of those things. All right.
0: Well, uh, my Consumo Bay is, uh, I've been waiting for a really long time to see this documentary called Don't Break Down. It's a rock doc about the, the Bay Area punk band, uh, Jawbreaker from the nineties. Oh, okay. And it had a little festival run. It's like right up, it pretty much led into their like recent reunion where they've been playing different festivals and now they've done a few smaller tours. Um, And uh, I was really excited to see it because I'm a big Jawbreaker fan, but it was really, really difficult to see. I was even at one point trying to get in contact with the uh, producers to get a screener just so that I could see it. But it is now available to stream for free on Amazon Prime if you're a Prime member. And I finally caught it. And it's cool. I'm going to say it's more or less only essential if you're a Jawbreaker fan. I don't think it's... uh, going to be terribly interesting to people who are not already somewhat familiar with the band but if you are there's a lot of great archival footage they were one of those bands that like for whatever reason always had a camera on them like uh, always brought their own crew or gear or whatever and like shot a lot mm-hmm. of show, uh, shows that they played and little interview here little you know goofy stuff in the van there um, you never
1: know when you're going to need that b-roll
0: Well, it eventually came in handy, but, uh, yeah. So in case people aren't familiar, they were a punk band from the, from the same like Berkeley scene that Green Day graduated from. Um, and in fact, Billy Joe is a talking head on the on the, uh, documentary. And they were one of those guys or one of those bands that they're like your band's favorite band where not a lot of people like generally know who they are, but the bands that you like, they're one of their favorite bands probably. And they, uh, kind of got swept up in that post-Nirvana, like, uh, industry thing where every punk band, no matter how popular (laughs) they were, got signed to a major label for a minute Mm -hmm. um, until they all got dropped around 1998 when they realized, like, oh, there's, like, no audience for any of these bands. And they kind of got caught in that same, like, you know, Green Day thing where, they got signed, so then they weren't allowed to play at Gilman anymore, and everyone started calling them a sellout, and everyone like decried that, you know, the band is over and hated their first record on a major label. It's a it's an interesting little uh piece of uh punk rock history. Um and I've also gone back Ooh. and been listening to a lot of Jawbreaker and uh uh Jets Brazil, which is the band that Blake played in after Jawbreaker broke up.
1: Nice. Yeah, I like uh I think I like Jets to Brazil more than Jawbreaker personally. Sure, they're I, a little bit more to...
0: like rock and roll.
1: Yeah, and a little poppier. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, more cleanly produced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that just tends to be more my sensibility. Hmm. Um. um I've, I've heard some Jawbreaker stuff. I might, I might enjoy that. I don't know. Yeah, I like the good. I like the occasional rock doc. <laughs> it's 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 a fun one. It's and it's not too long either. I
0: think it's like eighty four minutes or something like that. Let's go ahead and get into our movie news. We don't have a ton here, but some we have some uh, notable stories. Uh, this one's a little bit old, and we had a couple friends who seemed to show interest in this. But a Dungeons and Dragons film is being produced by uh, Jonathan Goldstein and oh no, with Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly possibly to direct. So we've had a Dungeons and Dragons film. Did you see it? The one with Marlon Wayans?
1: I fucking did.
0: <laughs> this was a God.
1: long time ago, by the way. This is like 2002 or three or something. It's real bad. Speaking <laughs> of Jeremy Irons, uh, he hams it up as the villain in that. Sometimes he comes it's, on to do that. It's not good, though. It's it's. Yeah, I. Here's the thing. I think Dungeons and Dragons is one of those properties that's like everybody knows there's something there. There's the world building is done. Mm-hmm. There's a mythology sort of behind it. A you pretty popular
0: a s- brand name IP behind it.
1: Yeah, but it's not. There's not any specific narrative to it. So no, because the point of Dungeons it, and Dragons is to invent your own. Exactly. So I think it's that's sort of the problem. It's sort of similar to video games where it's like mm-hmm. what story are they going to be able to tell in a movie that gets you more invested than a story that you actually get to play in as a right. character. I so I maybe if there was I, some way to do like
0: a choose your own adventure movie didn't they I like know, play around they, with that a little bit in Black Mirror or something?
1: They tried that with uh, a Final Destination. I right. think they did something kind of like that as uh, uh Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there's a lot of D&D podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh obviously d and is very very popular uh gaming system. Yeah. Um but there but there's no specific narrative assigned to it. So I think if they can get a good script, I, I it almost seems like one of those things that would work better as a show, maybe even like an anthology series or something. Right? Like, well, that's what I was gonna say. Is it? I mean, you know,
0: it's. I think this is my answer to everything, maybe obnoxiously so, but it should be an anthology <laughs> movie. Like, because I, yeah, I think sure. if you try and do like just one story about some elf doing something magical against something evil. That's going to get boring after the first twenty minutes because you're like, okay, this is just not Harry well, Potter it, or just not
1: Lord of the Rings. Exactly, it's not. It's not in. It doesn't capture the 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 magic of why everybody is involved in the thing.
0: Yeah, there's no like uh, characters within D and D that are like
1: beloved. There, there was a D and D series like a cartoon show in mm-hmm. the in the like late 80s I think um, and they recently I don't know if you saw this but there's a car commercial that sort of like does a live action version of those characters from the show and that was received really well I, and do, I, I did not see that you should look it up it's actually a pretty fucking cool car commercial <laughs> um But there was a lot of hype around it um, because, you know, it's playing on the nostalgia factor. Uh, There are characters and stories for people to directly sort of be involved with. Um, So I kind of think that that hype train might be... Sort of what's guiding this, what's conducting this story, particularly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if maybe they're going to try to connect it to that show or something. That might be the way to go. You know what was the best? I I agree. Like, what it should be is uh, it should almost be like a Princess Bride. Or never-ending story yes. type framing device with yes. like kids in the '80s.
0: Exactly, that is a hundred percent what I was just about to say. It's the best representation we've seen of D and D in a narrative sense. Is the episode of Dexter's Laboratory, where DD becomes yeah. the the DM and uh, yeah changes or everybody's even on origin.
1: Stranger Things.
0: I guess I haven't got there,
1: but. Um, it's in the it's in the first fucking season.
0: Well, they play it, I don't know. I wouldn't that's not exactly the same, but I would but yeah, something like that. But that, that some geeky kids That's what I mean, yeah. Their moms are telling them that they're going to become satanists or something and you know, like they go within the narrative of the kids playing because now we have characters we can actually relate to because they're not just some magical fucking elf and then you go like basically go into scene as they're playing it could even you could even play with tone and genre that way like sometimes it could be funny sometimes it could be ridiculous sometimes it could be really
1: serious that's what i think like go full like 80s nostalgia and set it up like that uh, so who are these fucking guys who are the guys that are set to direct it I don't know <laughs> I there, <didn't>, <laughs> I didn't well cause I mean I think that's the huge thing is I think a and d property yeah. could work if they try to capture that tone of friends hanging out having a good time you know what I mean like yeah. don't, don't put a fucking Wayans brother in it though i mean unless um, unless you're doing
0: it like uh ironically to make note of the bad one from two
1: thousand uh yeah, I guess, but even then it's like whatever, so yeah, these guys directed game night, I think I told you about that on the podcast, yeah, that it's was okay. a comedy from a year or two ago, yeah, and it was fu- it was actually directed really well, yeah, um, but the script was just kind of meh. Uh-huh. Um, so I I think these guys might have more in them. Um, maybe this is the property to sort of give them that boost. But I guess they also worked on the script for Spider-Man: Homecoming. So okay, I think they're tone-wise, they might. In the,
0: yeah, th- this is closer to what we're thinking than than I originally thought, based just on.
1: They're that. in the action comedy milieu for sure. Right.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh, well, yeah. I I'll, guess we'll see.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll hold out total judgment till I see a trailer but um, <clears throat> yeah just the property itself is like sure whatever all right how do we feel about this uh Disney
0: is set to remake Hello. home alone so Disney has a bunch of remakes set uh, including not at the museum and diary of a wimpy kid already but yeah so home alone remake um okay Is that a fart noise or a snore?
1: No, either. Or a snart. (laughs) Uh, Insert whatever derogatory sound you want. (laughs) I could not give less of a fuck. Yeah. Um, Granted, I don't think I am the target demo for these. Um, But, man, there were like 15 fucking Home Alone sequels after Macaulay Culkin left. Nobody gave a fuck. Well, um,
0: one of them, only
1: one of them went to theaters,
0: and then the others were all direct video,
1: I think. Yeah, but that's what this is essentially. <clears throat> it's direct to streaming. Like, who gives uh, any shits? Uh, yeah, it's whatever. I, I mean, sure, they're doing it for their little <sighs> streaming thing. Yeah. It doesn't ruin the original, but I could not be more bored by that. Mm. Um
0: well, if it's, it's direct to streaming, un- I'm less encumbered by the idea. Like it, to me, it, it that's you know it's not going to like you know cross my path in any kind of way. No, exactly. If that's exactly. If that's the case, it's not something I have to reckon with in any kind of real way. If it's just something that's being dumped somewhere,
1: um, I mean, here's the thing to know about Disney Plus. Yeah, right. So Disney with their fucking flagship movies. You know, with their Marvel movies, their Pixar, their Disney animated features, their Star fl- Wars I'm talking yeah. yeah, their flagship titles they put the time and the money into. Right. And they're they're even the worst of them are usually watchable. They're usually quality. Yeah. Right? When you start talking Disney directed DVD, when you're talking Disney uh, Disney Channel originals, mm-hmm. we're talking that level. Disney, who gives a fuck? I mean, c- kids will like it, and that's all it's for. Uh, I, there were a lot of Disney originals that I that came out after I was too old that I have no nostalgia for, right? But I know people who are younger than me are that are like, Oh, yeah, I loved Xenon or whatever, or and Cheetah Girls that- or whatever it was perfect that's you're you're the target demo for that um and it's great that you enjoyed it whatever i don't care Um, wasn't i didn't grow up with it i don't care so that's to me how you're not going to the
0: halloween town meetup in chicago this year (laughs) i'm joking Uh, i I mean i don't know if that's actually happening it might i don't know
1: probably (laughs) why not i mean it doesn't matter my point is that uh unless it has like their full flagship marketing support i can i don't i just don't care i don't care one way or the other it's fine yeah i also this
0: kind of goes into another thing of like why does our generation keep inundating the this next generation with our nostalgic bullshit that was probably not that great in the first place like, yeah, Michael yeah. Culkin was a thing in 1992, and uh, it was fun watching him like essentially almost kill and torture adults. But um, we don't
1: like nothing about now. That needs story that. doesn't. No, <laughs> that story doesn't need to be passed down from generation to generation. Right.
0: There's <laughs> nothing yeah, like it's. Like uh, you know, a grand American myth about the story of home invaders <laughs> stealing from uh, a, a rich mean, kid in
1: in the suburbs. Uh, I don't know that the, when you break it down like that, it does sound more and more American. Uh, <laughs> I I'm just saying it's fine. It doesn't offend me, yeah. but I don't I don't care. No. Uh, I, I don't. I just don't think they're going to put a lot of time or money into a lot of these projects. I think they're. Just sort of... Just content they building. Can, yeah. yeah, they're just... Exactly. They're just sharding stuff out so that mm. they can have more stuff on their streaming network at launch. All right.
0: Uh, let's get to the final story here, which I think is probably the biggest movie story to come out in a while. Uh, this is like one of those zeitgeisty... They even have like cable news channels are talking about this. So mm. Universal uh slash bloomhouse had a movie, a thriller coming out and um called The Hunt, in which coastal elites uh fly to the middle of the country to hunt quote unquote deplorable human beings. This got shelved by uh Universal after the two mass shootings we recently had, uh back to back, I think within less than 24 hours. And mm-hmm. um I, uh, the president and a bunch of other people, mostly right-wing people, uh, got mad at the trailer or sort of the premise of the trailer and called for a boycott and all of this stuff. So I don't think they are going to shelve it indefinitely. It'd be, I, the, the wording around it is, you know, they're kind of it's just not the right time is what they're saying. I don't know if it's going to come out in theaters now. If it does, I probably will have a much smaller release. Um and I who knows when they'll actually release it.
1: Mhm.
0: Mhm.
1: So that that's the story. Uh yeah, do you want you want my take on this? <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, that's kind of what this podcast is about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't. I just didn't know if you were going to offer thoughts. Uh, so I have thoughts. I think, <laughs> I think it's. I think this is bullshit. Uh, I think it's really fucking dumb. Um, I I think this. If, if anything, it plays into the. Uh, well, it's the video games and the movies' fault, right? I I. I which is horseshit. It's absolutely empirically horseshit. Mm. Uh, there's so much evidence. Whatever. I don't even care about that. That's not even my point. Right. Uh, but that narrative pisses me off on, on one hand. Right. Um, and this on the other
0: conveniently kind of was there to, to be emblematic of that narrative.
1: Like, if you're that fucking offended by a movie, maybe you should be that fucking offended by the guns that we're selling like come come the fuck on as a fucking nation we're jumping through not even as a nation uh uh, one specific interest group is getting us to jump through fucking hoops to do anything but address the real problem which is selling massive uh violent weaponry to people that have no business owning it that's my personal take I also think this movie has nothing to do with the fucking shootings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 is, it is politicized because of the way it's set up, but that's fucking satire. And if you don't have the balls to go forward with it, don't have the balls to greenlight the script or make it. Mm. Fuck off. That's, that's my official perspe- point of view is uh, the people who are calling for a boycott, fuck off. The studio people who gave in and caved and just decided to lose all this money, uh, fuck off. Uh, Don't make the movie if you don't have the fucking stones to to deal with the heat. And you know what? When are you going to shelve it for? Now's a bad time after this mass shooting? Okay, great. That means this movie's shelved indefinitely because we can't go a fucking week without a mass shooting in this goddamn country. So fuck it. All right, I have a slightly more nuanced perspective on this.
0: Uh, I do think that it's quite obnoxious that this movie became the story after what is essentially an inexcusable uh, lack of dealing with the problem with gun violence in this country.
1: Leadership.
0: Yes, yeah. accountability and leadership. Yes, and the way that lobbying works, and there, there's 150 other problems before you start getting to violent video games and movies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, the original going title for this movie was "Red Red State versus Blue State," and the fact that the that the um, targets, I guess, are the victims of the film are called by name deplorables. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's intentionally
1: incendiary. Yes, and 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 do I think it's in poor taste? Maybe. I haven't seen the movie. I thought the Purge I... movies were
0: in poor taste,
1: and they keep making okay. those. Mm-hmm. I fucking love the Purge movies. <laughs> uh, don't don't you talk to me about the Purge movies. Uh, I yeah. I mean, and to me this uh, but, just but
0: feels like thing. a little bit so, this is kind of a Purge knockoff, like let's be real.
1: But sure. And and but here's the thing, like the Purge, even though it's a horror thriller, yeah. it is also firmly a satire. Sure, yeah, like it. it I don't think it's it smart
0: is, satire, but sure. Not
1: not necessarily, but that's not my, that's not anybody's necessarily place to judge. Like, is this movie in poor taste? Uh, sure, but it's also playing on the same shit that we see in here every day. Like, right? Why? Why not make movies about that?
0: Right. I mean, well, I, I'm not saying that the, the no topic is worth being made into a movie. I'm but not but I do think that it, it that to release the movie right now, um, in but, a highly politicized
1: time is a little okay uh, but, toned. But no, no. But my point is, it was written and directed in the same highly politicized time.
0: Sure. If I'm sure that's what it was. Me, I'm sure that's what the pitch meeting was all about. Was exactly. You know, so
1: now. Now that you actually got some fucking heat, you're gonna pull out. I say fuck you for being cowards. You well, there's, al- your- there's
0: also there's also the no. possibility that that the heat is exactly what they were counting on, and that this is all just a long con for a, le- a, a more uh, I, a bigger I mean, the, uh, marketing t- push. I mean, this the, is, the movie would have never I, had I, this kind of uh, of coverage.
1: Had it well? I had I hadn't heard of this movie until this. Story.
0: Literally, yeah. I I hadn't even seen the trailer, and you know Fox News is doing like round the clock stories about it. Also, on a separate note, there is an argument to be made that the movies that the movie as it is being portrayed, at least from the trailer and from the descriptions that I've read, is actually. Um, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be like the coastal elites, the liberals, that are the bad guys here? I don't. They're the ones hunting my- humans for sport.
1: And sure, I, here's the thing: I don't, I, I don't necessarily care who the bad guys or the good guys in the movie are. Right. I care about the politics behind shelving the movie. Right. Behind marketing the movie in 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 behind the not. Not being able to fucking stick to your guns when it comes to something that all through production, you know, is like, that's the point of this movie is it's right. to get a rise out of people. It's to get a reaction out of people. So then all of a sudden, once the the uh, national tragedy that's like, I don't even know if you can fucking call them tragedies anymore because they're so goddamn, they happen so often is just normal now. Like, you're going to tell me that now all of a sudden it's like, oh, this might be in poor taste to release
0: that. Th-. Like, but this, is not, this isn't the first time that a movie's been shelved. And, I mean, and it, it isn't always, uh, you know, a giant um, <coughs> round the clock cable news story like it is right now. But there's been a lot of times where studios have felt the pressure or just, like, remember what happened with um, the, uh, what was that Seth Rogen thing? Uh, Kim Jong-un. The interview? the interview?
1: Yeah, which made me want to watch that movie so much more. But here's the thing. It wasn't the... Cre- I, I mean, I, I don't know who ultimately made the decision to pull
0: I don't movie. think they did it because of political pressure. I really don't. I mean, they, because if anything, like really? I said, if anything, this is only making the movie bigger. Like, this is only putting more clout and more story behind it. Like, it's doing the marketing for it. You couldn't have asked for anything better. Like if you're just looking yeah. to get the 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 story into people's heads, um, or the idea of this movie into people's heads, well, this then, then people at count. this point, even the people who um would have never seen this otherwise, would go to just hate watch it. Uh yeah. So I think I think a there could be possibly a, a secret marketing campaign behind all of this, and b I think if they did get cold feet, it had less to do with the political pressure and more just to do with the fact that two shootings just
1: happened one after the other and and here's the thing those shootings are fucking horrible yes uh, any shoot i mean i'm I, that's a whole different podcast mm-hmm. um, but it it goes again to my original point of so when are you going to release this movie? because that problem is not getting any better anytime soon. It's only going to get worse and worse. I I mean the moment we as a f- collective nation decided it was okay that school children were slaughtered, which is what happened, mm-hmm. uh that's that's the moment then when when there was no body. When you give when you give up any accountability, when you you know, if you're going to make a movie like this, there's no such thing as 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 waiting for the right time anymore. Like, that's who we are as a people, as a culture. Yeah. And, and the fact that, I mean, I'm beyond numb to it. So you're going to make a movie like that and then all of a sudden, like, say it's in bad taste? Like, if it's a, if you feel like it was in bad taste, it was always bad taste. Sure. And, and, and so there's not going to be any good time to release it. Mm. Because that's we that's what that's where we live now.
0: Yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll be released. Um, they might I mean, hold sure, it for a little I, bit, uh, but I think now there is now. If there wasn't before, there is
1: now a demand for it. And I'm I'm not into the politici- pol- politicization for marketing either. No,
0: but that's almost a new marketing trick. Like that's the new new. Is if you can no. get cable news to talk about your movie, or you can get people on Twitter arguing about it, that's I mean, almost as good I, as you know, uh, full page ad mm, in the New York Times.
1: I'm I'm not going to say that's anything new, though. I mean that's been happening since. I, I mean that's always happened. Harry Potter, Pokemon, Metallica, uh,
0: uh, right? But in it, those cases, the, the that was like fucking.
1: A, the in, fucking Beatles, like it's sure, sure. always yes. There's, been al- the case. there's
0: always people to offend, but uh, in those cases, those those are like actual reactionaries. But I think ever since I don't know, there might be examples before this, but I think when the Ghostbusters thing happened in 2016, it it almost created a new type of marketing where you create dissent online just to co- yeah. just to uh make a story out of your mediocre movie
1: yeah i don't know i bet it i bet it happened i bet it happened differently but i bet it's happened i'm saying there are now departments in
0: marketing teams that are just going online pretend fighting with people just to cause more buzz
1: maybe i don't know what, whatever it is i don't like any of it i don't no. like
0: everything about the story sucks <laughs> i'm sorry i brought it up I'm, um, I'm not
1: even that i don't know we'll see if the how good the movie is. the movie's
0: probably whatever uh, it's probably a lesser version of the purge which i already said are movies i don't really like well you need to
1: revisit them because
0: i've heard that the last one the last couple i did i stopped after the second one but i've heard that purge election year and the first purge are like maybe better i don't know I think the second one's probably my favorite. Well, yeah, because it's basically Escape from New York.
1: Yeah. The uh, election year is... I actually don't... I I watched them pretty closely together, so I don't know that I could tell them apart. (laughs) (laughs) Except that one had more uh, uh, scary Uncle Sam's walking around. Right. Um, All right. All right. Let's go
0: ahead and stop talking about that. Let's talk about uh, something a little lighter (laughs) <laughs> Did I get too negative for the movie news again? Are you going to have to pull it? You, you you went, you got a little dark. Um, Fast and the Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. I'll let you
1: describe it. What happens in this movie? Okay. Um, there's a virus or something. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is bad. Um, basically, uh, uh, Hobbs and Shaw... Yes. Are characters from Fast and Furious movies. Uh-huh. And they have to team up, even though they hate each other. Yes. To save the world from the <sighs> cybernetically enhanced uh Idris Elba playing Brixton yes. to save to save Jason Statham's sister sister yeah. uh, played by Vanessa Kirby.
0: Yes. The sister In has universe, a as a virus injected into her that is about to like um, go live or whatever. It's about to go viral um, after there's a ticking clock and her body is the ticking clock essentially. And so there's a lot of like uh Aegis Elba as like Superman, Robocop, whatever, chasing them around, I'm um, trying to get to her, and they're trying to protect her and stuff. Yeah,
1: he he like one. He Idrisilba wants to wipe out humanity because of reasons. Yeah, uh, and this virus is like the best way to do it, so that a new genetically superior race can. Uh, wait a minute, is Isusilba a Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he kind of is. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So this is the first spinoff. In the Fast and Furious universe, right? Um, it's sort of their standalone title. Both have been sort of supporting cast in other Fast and Furious movies, and this is their chance um, to see if this franchise has any wheels, pun completely intended, Mm -hmm. uh, without the likes of uh, fucking Vin Diesel, Paul Walker... Um yeah. anybody that was originally in the Fast and Furious movies uh, uh Well I mean the fa- the Fast and Furious movies are total ensemble movies and this is this is you know this is buddy cop 101. Yeah. on on steroids. Well yeah, yeah. But it's you know it's like they hate each other at first they find a mutual respect yeah. through all of the actionings that happens. Um. Uh, yeah, but I mean, a lot of this movie, and by a lot of, I mean all of it, is banking on The Rock and Jason Statham's charisma and chemistry together.
0: Yeah, uh, and the gigantic action set pieces
1: and stunt porn. Yeah, which, I mean, even compared to any Fast and Furious movie seems a little diluted and a little toned down here like you can tell this isn't this isn't main stage fast and furious this is this is the belly room
0: there's some pretty big stunts in here i mean there's some pretty big action scenes i'd say yeah it may be not as big as like the last three fast and furious movies but certainly bigger than when they just used to drag race yeah in the first like four movies (laughs) remember when the movies were about drag racing yeah, back when they sucked. Before uh, <laughs> before it essentially became uh, James Bond meets Mission Impossible.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really what happened. I like My little joke is that in the last Fast and Furious, Vin Diesel just ascends to become a full car elemental. Right.
0: Uh, well, they all are. I think I, yeah. There are several uh, times when watching this movie, a um, friend of the show Ashley was sitting next to me <laughs> in the theater, and she goes, they're dead, right? Like, now they would die. <laughs> I'm like, no, they don't die in these
1: movies. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody dies. has a transforming motorcycle so that he can. It's just like, so he can. It's like
0: psychically linked to his body. Yeah.
1: I guess. They never totally explained that, but it was cool. Uh, So, okay. Here's my thoughts on Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Uh, There's some fun cameos. uh, Mm hmm. But other than that, you saw all the best parts in the trailers.
0: Yeah, or at
1: least they alluded to the best parts in the trailers. I mean, that those... I wasn't that into a lot of the stunts and the nonsense. I thought it was kind of boring, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this movie as a whole, I thought was actually pretty boring. I don't know. I just never once doubted... That everybody was gonna turn out all right, like yeah, it didn't it was so light and so quippy, yeah. I, I mean, even during the scenes where the characters are supposed to be like stressed or whatever, like they turn every fight sequence into a literal pissing contest between Jason Statham and The Rock for comedic effect. Like, I I propose that this movie. Might a literal be a pissing contest. I, uh, this movie does <laughs> comes just short of actually doing that. Okay. <laughs> it, I, and here's the thing. I I think that that kind of fun and it, you know a lot of it is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, can sustain itself for ninety minutes. Uh, you know, but when we're talking two plus hours. Yeah. Nah. Once they start to try to do. Like serious character moments, I'm like, come on. We know what this movie is. Yeah. Just give us the goods and get me the fuck home.
0: Yeah, there's a problem with um, I'm gonna say the series at large, but it is especially um prominent here. And that's there's always been kind of a, a corniness to the movies like they know that it's ultra masculine to the point of ridiculousness and they kind of leaned into that like originally it was done sincerely in the first maybe three or four movies and then around fast five they kind of found their groove in sort of like making fun of that tone while also participating in it Mm-hmm. And they they held that balance pretty well, I would say, for a few movies there after Fast Five. And they sort of figured out what works. Now they've kind of tipped too far in the other direction where they're making fun of it so much that nothing matters. You can't take exactly. the characters seriously. You can't take the action seriously. It, all, it The whole thing just feels like a big... Like, uh, like when you go to Universal Studios and you know people are just flying around on wires and shooting flamethrowers at each other, but it's all done in a very sort of hermetically sealed production. I way. actually
1: literally had that thought of like, man, this would be a great stunt show at Universal theaters. Yeah, but, I mean that's
0: what it is, like essentially. But,
1: but that's and that's the thing. It, it, if it had clocked in at just uh, oh, under an hour and a half beautiful yeah. like that's what i'm here for but yeah it never is able to sort of sustain any real tension i don't know if you saw like there's an article floating around the internet about like what like jason statham and the rock and vin diesel have in their contracts in regards to like how much they can actually lose a fight and stuff like that oh i do you know heard- all that yeah, so there's this article going around, and it's like that they have it like writers in their contracts that they're not allowed to, like, get beat up a certain amount. I I don't know. Go search the article out. It's, it is a fascinating read. Um, is any of in, it
0: confirmed, or is this all just, like, Hollywood
1: hearsay? You know, I can't speak to that. I didn't write the article. I can't even yeah. remember who published the article. But it seemed... Like apparently this is sort of an old tradition uh like sure. dating back there's... to like the the days of Chuck Norris yeah. and Steven Seagal and stuff.
0: There's a, there's certain uh, people who want to maintain an image that they are leading men or whatever and they don't take risks.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm just saying that like that makes for uh a boring movie. Like yeah. it you know, you might have a moment or two of haha that was funny or whoa crazy. But, uh, I, you know, like, I think the difference between, say, this and John Wick is, well, A, this is, like, what, nine movies in? And, and John Wick's only at three? Sure. Um, so it's hard to keep raising the stakes and keep ra- – like, it, it's, um, it's actually something we talk about. I tell my students in improv scenes is you can't only heighten. Yeah. Uh, you have to heighten and explore because if you don't explore, if you're only heightening, every scene ends with the president on the moon with AIDS. Like <laughs> you just like that's you, you know what I mean? Like it, right. just, it becomes an escalation game of the most ridiculous things you can think of. Yeah. And that's sort of I think the problem with this movie is I think we sort of reached peak saturation of that. With the last couple movies, with them, like, literally jumping cars between buildings and fighting submarines and stuff, that you can't keep out doing that. Yeah. And if that's the only thing you have in your movie, then it's it's just... It's gonna feel flat, like I don't give a fuck about the characters i I actually have kind of a theory that the rock is every is the same character in every movie, and every movie he's in is a shared uh movie universe
0: <laughs> well I think you know whether or not that's true, it might as well be um I like Dwayne Johnson, I think he's a charismatic guy and i think without totally. being he's like
1: a great he's a great action star he's right he's the camera loves a- him and and sell and, a joke
0: yeah he, you know he's versatile enough for the type of movies he's doing but there's right. i think the problem with this movie in particular and to a lesser extent even some of the other later fast and furious movies is they just play too safe um yeah, they think exactly. as you've said that uh to just escalate the the uh terms of these stunts or these big action set pieces um is enough but at a point we need story and there's this movie just doesn't have a lot of it uh you know what we do have here as far as the villain and you know the stakes of the plot with the super virus and whatever it's all just super stock we know immediately watching the movie that we don't have to care about that because we know it's going to be resolved nothing's going to happen that we haven't seen before actually i will say in was it the last one or the one before? I don't remember. Um, whichever the one with Charlize Theron, I thought at least explored character a little bit. But yeah, I I i kind of come away with, with the same thing. It's like, well, that was empty calories, occasionally fun, mostly like, boring. I don't.
1: I I think that like the biggest sin this movie does is try to make jason statham's character sympathetic like if because he's well they already did that in the last few
0: a little but that's why i was surprised by this like this whole setup of like him and him and hobbs being like oh not that guy i'm never working with him it's like but you have been for two movies (laughs)
1: like we're past that that that's what i mean like if if we're going to still expect jason statham to be a fucking cunt then yeah. let's treat him like a cunt like let's let's have him have a heel turn in the movie like let's play with that tension at least uh yeah. you know of Can I really trust this guy? There's not a single second, not a single frame of this movie where you have any reason to suspect that he's not a massive prick or or, or that he is a massive prick and that he hasn't like totally changed his ways. Like if this were if this were like a larger budget, bigger
0: actionier version of the movie Bulletproof, you might have had
1: something. Exactly, and that's that's what it kind of should have been, is the whole time being like, wow, he's a fucking asshole. Oh, man, he might actually like team up with this guy or whatever, like play mm-hmm. with that tension, because I don't care about this super virus. Nobody uh, does. It, 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 yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Seems so. like a
0: waste of Idris Elba. I mean, he gets to like get in there and be really so. physical and a lot of like cool hand-to-hand combat stuff. But um, is that necessarily what we want to see from him in movies?
1: Uh, I mean, this is from the guy who was fucking the one of the most compelling television villains ever in right. The Wire. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like Idris Elba can do better. However, uh, these are all my criticisms. Uh, I do want to give a, a couple shout-outs to this movie. There were some high notes. Um, okay. One of them is Idris Elba. Uh, even when he's doing a role that is completely shallow and not rewarding, he yeah. knows how to fucking own the camera. I, I was more interested in him than I was in Hobbes or Shaw. Um, I, I mean, okay. he looked cool. He acted cool. Like, So if we're playing the who's the biggest badass competition, in my mind, it's Idris Elba. As far as the dudes go, uh, I did really enjoy Vanessa Kirby. Um, In general, I like her a lot as an actress, but I think she also kind of the same thing as Idris Elba. I want to see her do an action role that has some meat to it. I want to see her do something. uh, She's great in The Crown. Uh, rumor has it she's the front runner to play Catwoman, which I would be all about. Oh, I think uh, I've and, seen that article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and as far as all of the action goes, I think she has some of the most compelling action sequences that she always feels like she has a disadvantage in a fight. Uh, which is nice. I, I think in particular the scene with her and the rock where they kind of spar. Yeah, right uh, at the
0: beginning. That was some of the most interesting stuff. I also really like that tracking shot, the kind of side-by-side tracking shot between her entering the building and him. Like it's a very style over substance kind of thing. But it I, sure. I, I appreciated the sort of the cinema of just like holding a camera on somebody and lighting a shot
1: really well. <laughs> To- I mean this movie has some of that, yeah, uh, yeah I mean it's it has, it's made well. it has some cool visuals and stuff so yeah uh, I think you know, shout out to both of those two actors because they're doing the best with what they got yeah um it, it, more so I think than the rock or Jason Statham, who to me this sort of feels like a paycheck, but those two are like I feel like they're giving this their all so uh they stood out to me a lot. Um, Also, as far as set pieces go, Mm -hmm. the logic behind getting them to Samoa is insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, Man, there's a point in this movie when they're like, this virus, we have 72 hours to fix it. But in that time, they literally travel probably more than 72 hours worth (laughs) of travel. Yeah. Cuz they go from like America to Britain to Russia to Samoa like yeah. I don't know if they could literally do all of that jet setting within the time frame they gave themselves. Sure. Let alone have the crazy action. Uh anyway, uh, as far as set pieces go, um I thought it was nice to sort of play into the rocks personal he- heritage. Uh, And it was just, you know, it was a a little bit different.
0: um, Yeah, it was a kind of change of scenery and they they took everyone's guns away for a little bit Um, and and you got to see them kind of, you know, run around and have kind of like a LARP battle in the middle of uh, the island. I I enjoyed those sequences. Like I said, occasionally fun. Just like if you just turn your brain off and just watch for like what's happening on screen there is enough stimuli to keep you interested. But if you're
1: looking for story, you're not going to find it here. No. And I think that they still could have had all of that stimuli in a much shorter cut of the, of of a movie that was, Oh yeah. uh, And this isn't even a,
0: a, a situation where you have to like really labor on what scene goes and what stays. Like it is obvious where to cut in this movie. And I'm going to say, I know that, that they're really teasing out Kevin Hart and, uh, and uh, Ryan Reynolds is like joining the fast and furious squad. Don't need him. Don't need him. Don't want him.
1: Um, I, I thought those cameos were fun, but I thought both of them outstayed their welcome. There's way too many smart mouths in this series. As it is, we don't need two more. Sure. So, Rob Delaney's cameo is, like, how long these cameos should be. Do you, do you remember his cameo? No. But exactly. I
0: will, uh, yeah. Uh, well, now exactly. that I'm seeing the picture, yes. Um, yeah, but, but that, that's, that's, that's not mean, why like, they're in this movie. They, they, are, they are field testing whether or not they want to add these characters. Because every yeah, single don't. one of these movies inducts a new member. That's true. Well, here's the thing. Yes. And I'm just here to say, in the larger focus group that is the movie-going audience, I don't want these characters in these movies.
1: Yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> I, I even think they outstayed their welcome in these movies. Yes. I thought it was fun when they popped up, because it was like, ooh, Ryan Reynolds. And then he was like, oh, he's still in this. Why <laughs> is he still in this? <laughs> uh, say, same with Kevin Hart. I was like, yeah. oh, that's fun. Uh, you know, He's making his his short jokes Mm -hmm. oh oh he's still going oh god yeah so if i'm giving this movie a grade
0: um you know it's probably more realistically like a c plus but i'm gonna give it a b minus just because it's totally inoffensive and the people who this movie was made for
1: are going to enjoy it oh i give this a c minus hard really Uh, i got i got real bored in it um I, I had some high points for me, but mm-hmm. this this movie, just like the cameos, completely outstayed its welcome. Yeah, uh, I I I saw the trailer and I was all in, and then I saw the movie and I was like, oh okay, I should have just stuck with the trailer. Like I did, I didn't feel like I got anything out of this that I didn't get from the trailer. Yeah, that I I got in two minutes and. 35 seconds versus two hours and whatever so, absolutely yeah
0: c minus all right um let's go ahead and get into the netflix homework then and like i said this is the movie enemy which i assigned you uh this mm-hmm. is directed by dennis Villeneuve and stars mm-hmm. jake gyllenhaal I believe they did this either the same year or not very long after they did uh, Prisoners Together, um, which was a much kind of like bigger star studded thriller. And this was kind of a little indie thing that they made on the side. And it stars Jake Gyllenhaal as a history teacher who discovers through circumstances that there is a low level working actor Who just happens to look and sound exactly like him. When he looks into this a little bit further, he comes in contact with the actor and they uh, try to figure out, try to sort of feel each other out, try to figure out what's going on. And uh, it sort of involves their significant others. So um, that's the notes on what's going on here. Uh, What did you think of Enemy?
1: Uh yeah, that's a way oversimplified version of what's going on here. Um so It's a doppelganger movie. Yeah, yeah. And at first up until the very ending, I was kind of out on this movie. Yeah. Uh and then the very ending I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the good goddamn fuck was that?" <laughs> And it made it. It's it, it made me like rethink the entire movie, um, to the point where I had to like read articles and shit, this, <laughs> uh, to sort of wrap my head around it. Yeah, it very much caught me off guard. Um, and then after that. After I sort of dug into the movie a little bit more, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck, this is kind of brilliant. But then I was like, but is it brilliant if I have to, like, if I have to do all this homework <laughs> to figure it out? Like, shouldn't I be able to figure it out from the viewing? Uh, yeah, I, so this movie is filled with sepia tone. Yeah, uh, really <laughs> dimly lit. So a lot of my problem with the movie, un, un, under my initial viewing of it, mm-hmm. was I never really got a good sense of what the fuck was going on with either of Jake Gyllenhaal's characters. Like, the character that is... And that was sort of... It sort of kept me at distance with this movie. He's, he's investigating... This ganger, but he never really has a reason why, and wouldn't that wouldn't really bother. No,
0: you wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, you're watching no. some movie. You're at home watching Netflix, and then all of a sudden, in the background, there's a bellhop that looks exactly like you. Like not could be your brother, but like exactly like you.
1: I'd just be like, and oh, you wouldn't yeah. at least look into it. I, I might. Look up who the actor is, but I, I don't think I would be. Con- That's what the lengths he goes to. Sure, it, it became unrealistic to me. It was like, what the fuck is he doing? Well, there's a,
0: there's an element so,
1: like, to y- there's an element to the story, yes. and, and there's yes. an
0: element to like the whole discovery process on both sides um, that is obsessive. Uh, yes, yes. There's a lot of
1: like uh, noirish tropes going uh, on. Yes, but I think. Uh, so the thing is, with a lot of noirs, mm-hmm. with that sort of trope, I'm not usually left questioning the main character's motivation behind it. It's just like, oh, you know, that, uh, sure, that's the next step in the adventure or whatever. All right. In this because of the way it's it's played pretty realistically it's played pretty um there's moments of high surrealism yeah um but for the most part it's played like a lot more realistically than your average noir so that justification of well that's just to where the story needs to go didn't work for me at first um but after I read some interpretations of the movie that I liked. I was like, Ooh, yeah, I can see that. That makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't want to go into too specifically, uh, because a, they aren't my theories. I didn't come up with them. And B, I don't want to spoil anything. Sure. Um, I haven't read anything about this movie. Um, I had to.
0: No, I, under- I, I understand. Like, I, you know, I got a little obsessed with it after watching, <laughs> which well, I guess says something. Uh, there's a lot of David Lynch worship going here. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, this is very Lost Highway feeling uh, spe- specifically, you know, the idea of doppelgangers, um, the way it's shot, a lot of dark lighting, a lot of dream sequences, a lot of is this real? Is this not real? Um a lot of that kind of stuff is happening. You even kind of get the LA like movie star thing. Um But uh think Eliz- uh, uh, Isabella Rossellini plays his mother.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh but the thing with David Lynch mm-hmm. versus this movie is uh especially later David Lynch mm-hmm. is it all sort of has a surrealistic fog around it. A, whereas it's a sort of it's- dreamlike quality. Yeah. Yeah, whereas this feels like it's trying to play it as down-to-earth as possible for as long as possible.
0: Yes and no. I think you're supposed to – I I mean, I think that well, the, I mean, the movie – Yeah,
1: the first shot – The I mean, the first fucking sequence in the movie is pretty crazy and dreamy.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's sequences in the movie all along, which is um, playing around with dream logic – and I'm not saying that he does it in the same way as David Lynch. And he had certainly shoots a movie in a certain kind of way. But uh, but I do think that the, he's playing on a lot of similar tropes. Um, as, oh, no. as, especially like the noir stuff. The and psychodrama stuff.
1: And um, the imagery without any explanation. Right. Or yeah. uh, uh, rationale or justification. And there's kind of
0: a um. circular... Um, uh, a orbor. What do you What do you call that? The snake that eats, eats its own tail. Uh, yeah, Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Um, kind of structure to the movie where it you know, where it kind of uh, ends where mm-hmm. it starts, kind of thing. Um, yeah, all of that, that stuff that's, is that's- very reminiscent of of the sort of like Mulholland Drive, uh, Twin Peaksy type stuff.
1: I think that that grounding in reality, while it sort of took me out of the movie with my first viewing of it. Mm -hmm. I do think that is why I was sort of obsessed with it after immediately watching it. Right. Um, Trying to piece it together. Yeah. It feels like it can be. Whereas a lot of David Lynch doesn't. uh, Especially like Lost Highway. That is about as obtuse of a movie as you can get. Uh, it
0: gives you just okay. enough breadcrumbs, bread though, that you can, like, you know, spend all day in front of a chalkboard trying to connect the dots. Um, this
1: or, in, uh, or Lost
0: Highway? Lost Highway. Um, because there's, like, so many characters and so many crazy scenarios. Oh, sure, yeah. What sure. I enjoy about this movie, and to a lesser extent some of the Lynch movies, is I enjoy, like, absolutely ridiculous what-if scenarios. And I remember there was one time driving around with, uh, with Cade, and uh, he was showing me one of his old apartments that he lived, lived in when we were driving around here in Las Vegas. And I said, what would you do if when we drove by, you saw you and Ashley walk out of your old apartment right now? <laughs> and this movie essentially just takes one of those insane what-if scenarios
1: and, like, lets it play out. But um, see, I think... I think even that would have been – but I think even that would have – like, th- that scenario that you just gave me is more relatable than just happening to see an extra in a movie. Like, I, that's what, what got me is, like, I see – you know, like, like, seeing it in a movie has this sort of detached quality – it's too justifiable. It's like, oh, it could just be the lighting or the angle or the makeup or like like yeah, I get that it looks just like him, but but does it you know what I mean like I I couldn't ever see myself being that convinced from just an extra in a movie. whereas if I saw someone on the street mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean?
0: Well also I I thought about like you know when they do eventually see each other. The actor would have more of a an understanding of what he looks like from every angle than than a history professor, like yeah, we don't see ourselves as other people see us that's why sometimes when you're on camera or you get a picture from a bad from a weird angle, you're like that's what I look like, but you know sure. an actor is going to be acutely aware of all of his angles and things like that so I mean that was just something that came to mind when i while I was watching but um you know that might even be purposeful. There might be something to that narratively.
1: I absolutely think there is, but again, I couldn't come to these conclusions. On there's that. also
0: all this uh, stuff in the beginning that kind of leads leads you to believe that something narratively happening, where the uh, Jake um, uh history professor teacher character is lecturing about fascism and. Um, How society uses enter or fascist society uses entertainment to like numb the masses or whatever. Like you get these little like snippets of of uh, what seems to be thematic gesturing. I don't see how it necessarily like fits in with what I'm seeing on screen. But I have not read these theories. Again, I feel like I
1: kind of cheated. With this review, mm-hmm. um, but I I just had to I had to know what I fucking just watched, <laughs> um, and I think I think that those do fit in. But I will say there's also just importance to those because like the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal mentions that these cycles like repeat themselves. Right. And this the cycle that this character goes through definitely. Seems yeah, which to be goes sort, into the cyclical
0: um, nature of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. Like again, like I got enough breadcrumbs that I know what I'm supposed to be considering. I know what I'm supposed to be looking at. I don't necessarily like have made any of the the connections, um, but I think it's interesting enough, and I think it's paced well enough. And I I, I believed the motivations of the character a little bit more than you did. Um, I I you know especially the way that the, the the professor character we'll call him the protagonist um is kind of portrayed as sort of a lonely isolated interior person um who maybe is like less uh satisfied with his life i can understand why he would pursue this this weird obsession um and then you also learn about like possible like illuminati cults i don't know what's going on entirely in the movie but it's 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 kind of fun. I, I sort of like this like weird Twilight Zone ish nature of the whole thing.
1: I will say this movie is not for people who need obvious answers. It's no, not for people who need to know exactly what's going on because the answers are not spelled out for you. Even uh, even the interpretations I've read are um, interpretations. Our interpretations. Yeah. I did also listen to an interview where Denis Villeneuve mm-hmm. said exactly what it's about. But it's he says exactly what's going on in very broad terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does support like some of the, the things I read about it and stuff. So I here's the thing. it It's shot well enough. And there's enough going on. Every sort of 10 minutes I was going wait a minute mm-hmm. what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: and jake Chillenhall gives a great dual performance in the movie i mean you can always sort I mean, of count on him to bring it
1: he is uh johnny depp before johnny depp realized he was johnny depp and lost his mind yeah <laughs> like he he will always churn out an interesting performance
0: yeah he's at that not- specific like point where he's like Risk taking and has enough clout to be able to take the risks he wants to take.
1: Yeah, and and no matter the movie, even if he's playing a more normal character, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna work for it. He, yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen Jake Gyllenhaal phone it in. Even fucking Bubble Boy, <laughs> uh, he you know what I mean? Like yeah. he he's one of those actors that is. A I didn't see Love and Drugs, but you know. Uh, yeah, even that he's, you know, uh, I did see that and he's, it's not anything like super challenging, but it's, mm-hmm. as far as, uh, uh, sort of, uh, mid to late two thousands romantic comedies go, uh, it, it was, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what with Jake Hall, you'd know that I at least know I'm in capable hands
0: Yeah, and there's going to be a quality performance Or at the very least, a very Considered performance There's some yes. times where I think he tries stuff And it doesn't work out, but he's at least Trying stuff Oh, like Oakjaw, I yeah. remember him Sticking out like a sore thumb Yeah, that, like he was I, 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 nuts in that movie But in a in <laughs> kind of He was like low-key Ruining it, but in a fun way Yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but i but i <laughs> exactly but that's what i mean like i at least appreciate it i appreciate that he swings for the fences every time right yeah yeah and i think him and dennis and you have a good
0: working relationship and you can definitely tell like he was like on board with what's going on here but yeah this is very much a boutique film very much kind of a think piece a tone piece so if that's none of that sounds interesting to you um you're probably not gonna like it, but I sort of enjoyed uh the head scratching nature
1: of the whole thing. I wanted to immediately watch it again uh it's and that's the other thing it's not uh uh super long either it yeah it for it
0: almost kind of feels like an extended short film.
1: yeah for the type of um headiness. The particular brand of headiness that it has mm-hmm. uh it it moves pretty briskly, like it doesn't yeah, it doesn't uh linger or over say it's welcome, so I appreciated that that it was like, uh, here's your symbolism, I'm in, I'm out, fucking crazy ending
0: mm-hmm. what would you do if when you went to work tomorrow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, um the person I thought
1: you're I thought you were gonna set up another scenario.
0: I am. What would you do <laughs> if you went into work tomorrow and the person you normally sit next to looked completely different, but everybody at work was acting as if it was the same person and that you were insane?
1: I'd probably think that I had just finally snapped.
0: <laughs> Keith, what is the Netflix homework for next week?
1: Uh, next week, we are going to watch Solomon Kane*, based off of the novels by Robert E. Howard. All right. That's the episode. If See, anybody has
0: should, anything to say about...
1: Your fucking screenplay you should <laughs> write. Is just come up with one of these crazy-ass what-if scenarios and then play it out. Until there's an ending. (laughs) Yeah, as far as you think you can.
0: Logically, logical conclusion.
1: Um, All right, if
0: anybody has anything to say about anything we talked about here, uh, go ahead and email us at uh, mcguffinpod at gmail.com. You can also find us online on Instagram and Twitter at mcguffinpod.com and uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash MacGuffinBod where we post our news stories and we also um, ask questions of our listeners that we might want answers for. So uh, that's where you would do that. You can also follow me individually on Twitter uh, at V.C. Cassidy and you can uh, read my work that I do for the Idaho State Journal over at their website um, IdahoStateJournal.com in their movies and entertainment page. And uh, be sure to check out the articles um, and content I've written for the MacGuffin over at mcguff.in slash author slash Cassidy. And while you're there, you can also find the RSS feed and the archives for this podcast. Um, You can also stream us on Stitcher, iTunes, Pocket Casts, and
1: uh, Player.fm. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Keith Foster Kid. Also, check out my website, www.keithfosterkid.com.
0: Fun. Yeah. Be sure to check out other podcasts that uh, we're loosely associated with, including uh, Almost Educational, starring Patrick and Dennis, and uh, Buddy and Alice over at Those Happy Places and Rogue Fun. A Star Wars podcast, and even though the show is officially on hiatus or is over or whatever is going on, um, the Great Albums podcast, Bill and Brian's Great Albums podcast, uh, just had a fancy write-up in a big magazine a little while ago. Um, Event Magazine did like a, a list of podcasts you should be listening to, and they did a little blurb for them, so that's cool. Um, so you know, go back and listen to their three hundred plus episodes that they've done, and. you uh, yeah, I believe I believe that's it.
1: He really is Black Superman. Okay. Bye.